2: All right, welcome back to the Celtics Lab podcast. I am your host, Cameron tipt I'm joined by Alex Goldberg and Dr. Justin Quinn. We, it is Wednesday evening, Wednesday night. Um, We're going to start talking about what's going on with uh, the suspension of uh, Robert Sarver, owner of the Phoenix Suns. Uh, Just uh, for the audio people, Justin's pantomiming a slap on the wrist. We're going to get into that. Um, but we're also here to talk about what the Eastern Conference looks like. So we bring in one of the hosts of Noble and Roosh, Zach Noble of Ball is Life. How are you?
1: Doing awesome. Happy to be here. It's been long overdue. I've gotten to talk basketball. we have taken a little hiatus on my show. So it's pretty pumped up that you guys asked me to come on.
2: Yeah. So again, this is supposed to be a fun podcast where we chew the fat over what the Eastern Conference looks like, um, but we're going to start with... News of the day. And I'll we'll tell you it's 10 p.m. on the east coast. Um, so we have some breaking news. But by the time you're listening to this, who knows what could happen. Um, Alex, Justin, how are we doing?
3: Doing okay. You know, we're fully in school mode now, so a lot of my bandwidth is used up by that, but plenty of time to talk about. All sorts of basketball things, especially in the seemingly endless offseason that I truly can't wait to be over.
4: (laughs) Yeah, feeling those vibes. Uh, I'm just generally irked by news we'll be talking about in just a second. And I am trying to fight my inner New Englander so we don't lose our YouTube monetization. I'll just leave it at that.
2: He's talking about swearing. We can, we can swear in the second half. Um, so, for folks who are sick of the news or just that basketball is an escape, I'd say skip 10 minutes or so, 10 minutes max, but we're going to, we have to start. It would be intellectually dishonest, maybe even morally dishonest. Um, so, let me do my best to summarize where we're at and then we'll, we'll discuss kind of our, our takes. But we agreed off air that this isn't really a story um, for us to center ourselves. So, we're not going to spend so, so much time on that. Um, Robert Sarver has been under investigation uh, by the NBA for months, uh, I think over a year. The NBA talked to 300-something people, supposedly only after an ESPN story on Robert Sarver's behavior behind the scenes. He's the owner and the governor of the Phoenix Suns. Um, I won't air out the laundry list of grievances that were found in this report. Um, A, because I don't want to miss anything, but B, they're kind of hard to say, but um, very racially insensitive very inappropriate um, from a misogyny lens uh, at the workplace. Just truly, I, I will ed- editorialize here, ed- abhorrent stuff. Um, so the NBA came out and said that is going to be away from the team for a year. He's going to pay a $10 million fine. He's going to do a little bit of counseling. Um, but found, and uh, uh, we can maybe quote specifically, found that this was not the behavior that warranted action beyond that. Um, obviously, this begs parallels to Donald Sterling and what happened with the Clippers a few years ago. But really, the story now today on Wednesday is how the NBA has handled this. In a press conference, Adam Silver point blank said that there are particular rights to someone who owns a team as opposed to an employee. And just about half an hour ago, the NBA, um, by way of Sean Sterling... We didn't
4: actually mean that. Just <laughs> something else other than exactly what we said.
2: Uh, that's more or less basically what the NBA said. They sounds Justin. like Schefter to me. <laughs> um, LeBron James has weighed in pretty mightily saying that the NBA dropped the ball. Uh, the NBA PA has weighed in saying that the NBA has dropped the ball. And it seems like the general consensus among people who write and talk about basketball is that the NBA has dropped the ball. So um, that's where we're at. It stinks to talk about. Um, Zach, again, I told you off air you don't have to have a take if you don't want, cause this is sticky stuff, but initial impressions or thoughts today and moving forward.
1: I'm just going to say shortly that, I mean, it's really unfortunate. I mean, you summed it up really well, uh, but it's a terrible look on the NBA. I mean, 2014, we got rid of um, Donald Sterling um, and that was, I'd say pretty comparable. I mean, I don't think it's, that far fetched to get this guy out of here. And then you got his own player weighing in Chris Paul. I was pretty proud to see him step up right away and show no fear, but yeah, it's a joke for sure. And, uh, the guy should be out of the league. And I mean, it's been pretty obvious for a while, but, um, this is not, not only, uh, Silver's first mark. I mean, the Dallas Mavericks got by pretty mm-hmm. easily too. So, um I I know there's a lot more going on but yeah um the NBA for years they go watch the Donahue doc they've been been very very good at covering stuff up and just keep it moving so um I I mean you gotta absolutely hate the league to like try to take it down and there's never been anybody powerful enough to do that um with stuff like this so I mean, I don't think it's going to mean much for the, the big scheme of things, unfortunately, because, I mean, you just keep letting shit like this slide. if I mean, you don't make severe enough actions, but, um, I mean, I love the players. I love the game, but, yeah, I mean, big business decisions, I mean, can be really harsh at times. Sure.
3: Zach, I, am, I, I think what you said is really interesting, but I'm actually going to push back just a little bit on that in that, I do think there is a small group of people who actually do have the power to really force the issue on this. And that is the NBA players specifically. Um, The players union, it seems like, has come out pretty uh, vocally against the uh, decision, as we kind of just mentioned, as Cameron just mentioned. Um, And I think that speaks volumes to uh, two points. The first is that I've seen a lot of stuff online about kind of Steph Curry and LeBron James and Chris Paul and the way that some of the more vocal and powerful players in the NBA handled the Donald Sterling situation. And one thing that really stuck out to me is that Steph Curry uh, was interviewed about this a while back and he really regrets a lot of how that situation was handled by the players in the sense that. He thinks, and I think uh, I would gather a handful of other players think that they could have done more to force the issue there. They could have taken more aggressive actions, whether it means sitting out of games or, um, you know, like refusing to play for uh, a specific team or specific owner, all of that. Like there is real power that these players have. And given how LeBron and Chris Paul, how gigantic their presence is are in the NBA, I, I think that there is a real opportunity here for the players to kind of force their hand. Uh, one complicating factor to that, though, and this is kind of my second point, is that there are some very tenuous labor negotiations coming up in the form of the next CBA. And I think juggling the priorities of trying to make sure That the players can go into that CBA in a position into the CBA negotiations in a position where they feel like they won't be guaranteeing a lockout, for example, by pressing this issue too far, while also standing up for their values and kind of perhaps for some, including Steph Curry and others, kind of doing what maybe they could have done during the Sterling, you know, fiasco that's going to be a really tricky balance for the nba players and the union to strike over this next couple of months and i'm going to be really interested to see how it plays out because they have the power to shift the story on this pretty substantially if they want to do that
1: yeah i definitely no, I'm with the well stud man Sorry. Uh, i just I- I think it's going to get lost in translation with so much that's going to go on but I mean I'd love to be wrong on that and I mean yeah players do got a good amount of power I still don't think they have all the power when it comes to play yeah, enforcement and something like this but yeah I mean it's no down it's, down. it's it's
3: it's going to be really tricky to sort out because I think that you know they do have the power but how they apply that power they have to be really careful with it
4: There is a growing wave of labor action taking place in this country. We're talking about the Major League Baseball minor leagues unionizing. We're talking about a potential national rail. Well, now it's a lockout. It's not really a strike. There isn't a strike on the table yet, but we'll see how that goes. So, on one hand, we have that going for us, but on the other hand, you cited the the desire to have done more during the the Sterling area. If you remember the timing. Of the sterling situation it ran right into the start of the playoffs right mm-hmm. very similar the only other time we've really seen something like uh in, in history of the league of them putting that kind of pressure was when the union really got its teeth when they founded the uh, the pension plan by yeah. threatening to lock out the first all-star game uh, so something of that nature i think could change their minds, but the, the groundwork needs to be in place. And this is going to need to be, build up a big head of steam. So it's going to be interesting to see whether or not whether or not the, the fan base and the writers, all of us collectively continue pushing this with enough head of steam for it to actually do something.
2: Yeah, I I think Justin, I agree with you insofar as the the main difference between Sterling and Sarber here is despite 320, I think is the number of interviews, there's no tape. And so the plausible deniability hand that the NBA proper can play, it's on players and fans and media to push the issue because the momentum of the regular season, the momentum of the business, everything like that it's in favor of the NBA. I don't think that the owners are interested in penalizing Sarber too much because quite frankly, a lot of them have probably worse skeletons in their closet. Um, So it feels icky because it shouldn't be on the media, the players or the fans to write this wrong, but it looks very much so at this moment in time, maybe the NBA will, will snap back into reality, but it looks very much so like the NBA desperately wanted this, to be as minimal as possible. And it's, it's doing what it can to keep it that way. So, like I said, at, at the top, we're not gonna dwell on this because A, it's not our voices that ought to be centered. It's other people, um, namely players, namely people truly affected by this. I mean, uh, let's call a spade a spade. These are four white presenting male commentators uh, and a pretty complicated issue that doesn't necessarily affect white male people. So um, maybe it's not our place to spin our tires too much here. So it felt necessary to talk about. It's something that as people who love the NBA, were very disappointed and disheartened. I hope that this is a story that doesn't go away because I hope people agitate in all the right ways, quote unquote, good trouble, all of that euphemistic stuff. Um, but who knows by the time you're listening to this, the story could have changed radically. So I'm going to, do an ad read and put on my fun face and we're going to talk about the Eastern conference. So let's change gears as best we can. And let's do that by where did I put this uh, tremendous, wonderful, fantastic copy. Okay, there we go. Let's talk about our friends over at betonline.ag football is back at Online is your number one source for all your football betting needs and sports info this season. Find all the latest football odds and news and games matchups, including this year's opening week's games BetOnline is your continued source for all your wagering information, including live betting, free contests, and live scores. Obviously, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports and events, including MLB, MMA, tennis, boxing, and golf. Head to BetOnline to join and receive your 100% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Make sure you use our promo code CLNS50 to receive this reward. That's a 100% welcome bonus. Bet online, where the game starts. righty, Zach Noble. We're here to talk hoops, and we're here to talk about the Eastern Conference. That's where the Boston Celtics happen to play basketball. Um, actually, Zach, we haven't talked to you yet. Give me 30 seconds max on Rudy Gobert. You're Timberwolves fans <laughs> for anyone who does not know.
1: I mean, he's dominating right now in the Eurobasket. That's kind of nice. I mean, the Wolves fans were, I mean, a couple of analysts were talking garbage on him that he wasn't going to survive in the Eurobasket tournament, and it turned out he's looking all right. But, you know, I... Simple terms, I didn't like the price we paid, but um I do respect big cojones and going after it, and that's something we don't do in Minnesota ever. We usually just lose them to teams like Boston, usually just Boston. Um KG David Ortiz good on the list. Uh but uh no, I'm jacked up because I mean it's the perfect fit, but I'm not a huge Rudy Goat Bear guy. So um at the same time, I don't like how much we're paying him, but Hey, he's going to make our team better. I just don't think it's title or bust. I think it's second round conference finals or bust. I mean, I got pretty realistic expectations. Um, I think he's going to cover up a lot of the weaknesses we have and make uh, D'Lo, he's going to make Cat so much better than they were. And this this is our chance to maximize Anthony Edwards earlier. And so it's more so a power play by the ownership. I mean... Sim, simple terms. I mean, that's why they did it. I mean, they wanted to come and make their mark and that usually doesn't work out the way they expect uh, when you see new ownership come in and just try to overpay for a player. But kudos to your boy, Danny Ainge, man, he's, he's getting his full money's worth and it's going to be interesting to see what kind of talent he can put together in Utah. I'm, I'm so happy he's in charge there because it's going to be a fun rebuild. And I mean, I think they actually have some decent pieces to, start building around already and some high upside guys, but yeah, I'm, this is the most excited I've ever been for a Timberwolves team since 2004. So
4: speaking of uh, long the long basket, I would love to get Danny Ainge some more picks, maybe some second rounders for Simone Fontecchio. I don't know if you've mm. seen this guy, man, but the dude is jacked. He can hit a three. He can defend 25 years old. I'm old for rebuild. Just saying.
1: Uh, who is he? Come Simone
4: Fontecchio of Italy.
2: Justin is...
1: Out. Wow, you, you stopped me there.
2: But. This is Justin's Carmelo Anthony for long
3: yep. time. Justin, <laughs> is, Justin is head over heels for any European big who can shoot and also rebound.
2: <laughs> All right, I know who I'm going to be watching on YouTube tomorrow. Yeah, they call him Justin Boris Dia, Quinn. Anyhow, um, thanks for that, Zach. And uh, I'm going to make a really crass off-color joke here. Um, Anthony Edwards, publicist, must be so happy that the NBA dropped the Sarver ball because he should be having a bad week, (laughs) not the NBA. Um, Yeah, well done, well done. Let's talk about the East. Here's what we've done. And by we, I mean, Justin has done. uh, He has split the East into five tiers. Contenders, self-explanatory. Pretenders, people who maybe could end up in a conference final, but they're not going to go the distance. I changed the name here. I'm calling them playoff ruffians. They're the kind of team that you don't want to face in the postseason. But the smart money is not on them going to the finals or anything like that then we have a uh, fourth tier play in at best teams that maybe their ceiling is the plan and uh, the team is in the basement bricking for vic as in they're uh, they're going to lose a lot of games to hopefully get victor wambanyama under contract so what we will do is we will go through the eastern conference alphabetically and i'm going to go around the horn i'll start with you zach um, and then on and on, we'll, we'll all take turns. It's a very fair podcast we run. And what we'll do is we'll give a little bit of a take on where we think this team is at going into the season. And we'll try to get a consensus on what tier they're in. And um, someone ought to write this down so we can repackage it for Celtics Wire. So we've got the contenders, the pretenders, the playoff ruffians, the teams that might make some noise in the postseason, the play-in at best tier and the fifth and the lowest tier, brick and for Vic, the lottery band, possibly tankers, or the oops, they ended up in the lottery. Anyways, deep lottery. So, let's start with the Atlanta Hawks. Zach Noble, tell us your thoughts on where the Hawks are at going into the season. They made some moves in the offseason, obviously. And give us your preliminary category. You put them in your tier and um, if the field needs to disagree with you, we'll politely do that.
1: Let's get it. So this is the most ecstatic, jacked up I've ever been about the Eastern Conference, maybe in my lifetime. Um, I've never had a tier one and tier two so close and so big. Um, It was hard for me to look at this as those five tiers, but I'll try my best. I put them in three and I feel pretty confident in those three tiers. Uh, So the Atlanta Hawks, the DeJounte Murray move I like a lot. I just think The downside of it, they could look closer to the disingenuous side of Russ and Harden together, but um, they're still a lot younger, and there's a lot more hope defensively, um, you can say, with DeJounte there. I mean, hopefully there's not two dominant guys in their backcourt that they're going against, but um, I really like Atlanta. I labeled them as the sixth seed in tier two. I got six teams in my tier two, but from your uh, tiers, I would say they're a a strong pretender or uh, maybe a playoff ruffian, uh, but I like them as a pretender, depending um, on the chemistry, they can still develop with John Collins and Capella. And I'm worried that uh, they're going to just be so focused on that backcourt that those guys are going to take a big step back. I think Onyeka is really going to come forward. They're going to really focus their, I don't know. I mean, their defensive scheme for sure, but like I think they're going to try to run more for him offensively, lob out, throughout what have you, but they need DeAndre Hunter to have any success. I mean, that's, that's their kind of guy that's hidden away that if they want to go anywhere outside the first round, DeAndre Hunter's got to be something. I don't know how good, but... He's got to be something.
4: I would agree with that assessment. I think I have them somewhere between the second, but the 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 pretender tier and the third tier, the playoff ruffians. I think it really comes down to whether Trey Young can really play off the ball. Yeah.
3: For me, they're a ruffian. And I don't think that's even necessarily disrespect to the Hawks or the fact that I think they did get better so much as I think it, that it's really hard to keep pace with this new reloaded Eastern Conference. And there's still some major weaknesses on the defensive end for the Atlanta Hawks for me. So I couldn't quite get them into that Pretenders tier. I don't really see a path to them making a deep playoff run unless there's a lot of injuries but um, I think they're better. I just think the rest of the East is
2: also better. Yeah. I'm. First of all, it's so funny for calling them playoff ruffians. I can't believe you guys didn't tell me that, how stupid that sounds. It's, it's so funny <laughs> it's, to me. It's, it's ridiculous. Uh, we're going to do it for like it's... the next hour. Anyways, Off-season um,
4: podcasting, what do you want?
2: The Hawks burned just like too much capital on getting Murray. Murray. Um, I, I, I'm huge on uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich, but I just, I don't think they have the depth um, save maybe a Collins like two for one trade where they turn him into two reasonably serviceable players. Like they're going to be asking Mo Harkless to play meaningful minutes, um, which respect to Mo Harkless. I, I just, I don't see it. So I, I'm inclined to say Trey Young is, well, I, I'm not inclined to say, I know this is true. Trey Young is 23 years old. So I'm inclined to say that kid could get better. However, just I'm not sure of the depth. Um, So unless anyone passionately feels otherwise, it seems like the general consensus is there's somewhere around a playoff ruffian, a team that's going to make noise in the postseason, but not quite there. Okay. You
1: got to believe in Jalen Johnson or AJ Griffin, because otherwise they're about six to eight deep. And I mean, I'm a huge AJ Griffin guy, but I don't think he's going to be of
2: value this year in theory Frank Kaminsky plays for the Atlanta Hawks not doing anything for you all right that's your twin isn't it? wow I'm unbelievable way, I'm way better looking than that guy he's a little bit tall I'll give you that all right um the Boston Celtics uh, in the interest of time I'm just going to say independent of the fact that this is a Celtics podcast by virtue of having gone to the finals and contended last year The Celtics are in the contender bracket. Anyone want to refute that one? Cool. Uh, Ironically, yeah. Ironically, we're going to talk the least about the Celtics on the Celtics podcast today. All right, a team we love to talk about: (laughs) the Brooklyn Nets. Alex, you get first bite at this apple. Alex, what bracket, what tier would you put the Brooklyn Nets in?
3: I have made my own version of this, the dark horses bracket. And for that, I think that translates best to the pretenders zone. So I have the Brooklyn Nets as my uh, Eastern Conference four seed is currently constructed because Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving and Ben Simmons and Joe Harris are all extremely talented basketball players who have played exactly zero games together. And I feel like The chemistry issues that we saw with the Brooklyn Nets last year were a result of a wide variety of things. It seems like there's been some displeasure with Steve Nash as the head coach. We can talk to our friends over at the Brooklyn Buzz about that one. Um, It seems like there are still maybe some unresolved bridges that need to be mended, uh, fences that need to be mended, whatever you want to call them, with uh, Kevin Durant's relationship to this franchise. And I just... I feel like the Brooklyn Nets window kind of has happened already. And I haven't seen a great deal of evidence to suggest that their window will be reopening in a meaningful way anytime soon. Unless Ben Simmons comes back and is just 100% fine from his back injury and is the player that he was, if not better. I I can't put them higher than my four seeds. So that's where I have them in the pretenders tier.
2: Sure, Um, Zach, anything about that that you you find misguided?
1: I agree that four is the highest you can have them. I personally have them at seven, uh, the way I labeled these out and uh, I'm glad Katie's stuck in a place that he's not too happy about. I'm glad that uh, he's not in Boston either. So it's going to be interesting. I got him at seven though, just mainly because of Ben Simmons and Kyrie's health and um, health overall, I guess that's the easy way to put it. But um, I just, I don't see a world where they can actually become a real contender. And I would never even, I'm never going to label them, even if they're got 10 losses in April until I I see him step on the playoffs fully healthy. So that would be pretender. Oh, full pretender.
4: (laughs) Okay. I actually really strongly agree with all the same. We probably could have gone through this a lot faster, but it's fun to drag the Brooklyn Nets. So why not? Uh, to add to that, they also have some pretty important minutes being played by people like T.J. Warren and Markeith Morris, both of which we really don't know how healthy they actually are in a basketball court. So, Or if they're going to make it? the team. Yeah, exactly. So I'll believe it when I see it.
2: Let's drag them. Right. Let's drag them, baby. Um, hey, ever heard of this thing called defense? <laughs> they haven't heard of it in Brooklyn. Um, they have come to rant. They, uh, Kyrie's pretty good. They They are always, always, always – Uh, a hot streak away from running the table. But I'm not too worried. Um, I think that they're pretenders. Honestly, they might be playoff ruffians. They were playoff ruffians last season. No, they weren't. They weren't ruffians at all. They were playing at best plus. Um, Okay, Brooklyn Nets. Good night. That's four votes pretender, and that's being kind. Okay, Justin, my friend, I'll let you talk about Queen City and the Charlotte Hornets, you're up.
4: So speaking of heinous things affecting the NBA news, we don't need to get into why the Charlotte Hornets are down with their key players, but they are down with their key players. They have a lot of things changing. They don't really, let's just put it this way. They have the potential, I think, to be a playoff ruffian, but I think that's even being pretty generous with all the things that they have on their plate right now. So for me, I'm going to put them at play in the best.
2: Zach, any, any reason to be higher or lower on the Hornets? Absolutely
1: not. I, I think Miles Bridges was so important to them last year and I mean, taking him away. If, if you think book Knight's going to come out and be a winning player. Uh, yeah. You're misled. I just don't see, I mean, Gordon Hayward reinvention, maybe you got to really, really dig. I mean, they're, they're, Towards the, I got them at 13. They're bottom of the barrel for sure. Probably smashed the under on the, the win total there at 36 and a half. Well, I like That's the under so there. high. Yeah, me too.
2: Right.
3: Yeah. I'm going to go a step further. These guys are going to be breaking for Vic by the end of this season. I feel pretty confident about that. Um, the East got significantly better at the top and the middle. Uh, the Hornets have not only failed to keep pace, in my opinion, they've gotten actively worse in a number of areas. I also just don't really understand the firing of James Borrego and the hiring of Steve Clifford. That just seems like a really poor choice. I don't know what we've seen from like Steve Clifford seems like a nice guy and a good assistant coach, but I don't know what we've seen from him as a head coach to suggest that he's got the chops for that. So I think I think it's going to be a lost season in
2: Charlotte. I think they're going to be very high in the lottery this year. Uh, Just in the interest of modeling the fact that we don't all need to weigh in, I'm not going to weigh in on the Hornets. I also agree. They're not going to be very good. However, I hope Terry Rozier ends up on a contender by way of a trade while this team is tanking and, um, bricking for Vic. So that's my vote. Terry for uh, uh, that's <laughs> the first time I've ever had that thought. Hold on. Let me think about it. I'm um, straight up. Does that, does the math work? Do you know that? uh, Deal is a little more expensive. There, Terry Rozier would just there's, there's a chat so much. Um, I love and
3: it. I, I low-key think that Terry would take the Minnesota Timberwolves from being like a very talented six seed to like maybe a three seed. <laughs>
1: Damn, okay.
2: <laughs> I'm Terry very is, I mean, This might be the, the most it's important it's, 30 seconds this podcast for sure. <laughs> Yeah. I'm
1: a, i I'm a D low guy too. And I think uh, Rudy's going to do great things for him, but I mean, Terry's a little more efficient and maybe a little positive on defense, a little more close to it
2: That's digging. We're digging. Diggin'. All right. Um, Hornets. Good luck. Okay. I will go first with the Chicago bulls. And actually I'm going to, I'm going to tell the folks how the sausage gets made. So Nick Schwartz, if you're listening, I'm sorry, but I write for USA Today, uh, SMG, and I'm tasked with writing for all suite of NBA sites, and we're trying to grow the Bulls wire a little bit. So uh, Nick and others have said, hey, if you you can write about the Bulls, it'd be great. And I got to tell you, I have immense writer's block when it comes to the Bulls, because I got nothing to say. That team's going nowhere fast. Um, If Lonzo Ball was healthy, I'd feel different, because I think Lonzo Ball really changes the the geography and calculus of an offense, and a defense for that matter.
5: What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify?
2: And I know that DeMar DeRozan was cooking last season, but goodness gracious, this Bulls team is mediocre. Um, I think they could, I, I'm going to say that they could make noise in the postseason because they got un- unlucky with health last year. Maybe they're a little bit better than that, but this is not a pretender. This is not a contender. Um, I will say playoff ruffian because it's funny to say, but if you want to say that they are playing at best, um Zach Noble I would be inclined to agree with that I like how low you are on them and
1: I think you're closer to being right than wrong but I'm gonna remain high on them because I do feel the upsides there but what detracts me is I had a buddy call me about a month and a half ago two months sitting on the plane next to Billy Donovan and Billy Donovan's (laughs) just going off to some random dude on the phone about Vucevic and felt terrible because Vuce is my guy and just a super nice guy and he's just like, I'm going to fucking have Andre Drummond starting over this guy. And my buddy's just texting me word oh, for word. and He's just going out like, yeah, like, it was hilarious. I, I, I'd i laugh and they could go on with the, the one-liners and whatnot. But it didn't sound good for the outlook there because Vooch is important and he's a big salary there. And um, Drummond is not very hopeful um, if he's going to be a replacement guy as well. So their their future relies on... I O, which I love a lot, and I think he's going to be impactful on the perimeter. But they still need bigger, bigger wings and uh, bigger, like a center defender that I don't necessarily believe in. Patrick Williams, can he be that guy yet? Uh, I need uh, jury's out. I mean, he's like their DeAndre Hunter type. Yeah. So yeah, I didn't even say where I have them, but okay. they're towards the end of my T two, um, which that's number nine and uh i'd say the bottom of pretenders to uh playoff ruffian but like i said you're probably way more close to being right on this justin justin yeah. well uh, my
4: name came up where do you want to
1: go take it go for it that was a transition there that didn't go right
4: yeah, well, it's late. We're tired, but uh, so is the Chicago Bulls roster. I mean, our Demar Derozan <laughs> is not getting any younger. They're real beat up. They have all kinds of stuff going on. There isn't any continuity. Uh, there, there's some possibilities in terms of internal development that they they could, you know, I think maybe inch towards a de- direction of pretenders, but. At least with the way things look at the at, at present, if if Lonzo's knee is not like, why did they not operate on it? I don't know. I'm not a doctor of the right kind, uh, but just to keep things brief as possible, uh, they're playing it best.
3: I agree. I think the Bulls are going to be fire sailing at the trade deadline. Playing it best. All
2: right. Well, good luck to your Bulls. Doesn't sound doesn't sound promising. Um. Here's a team that actually I couldn't find. Maybe Zach, you have this in front of you, uh, Futures for their win total, um, because they just brought Donovan Mitchell into the fold, who pretty nakedly was like, I'm pretty sure I was supposed to be a Nick." but anyways, the Cleveland Cavaliers, uh, man, I'm happy. 46 and a half. 46 and a half. I was going to say, I'm happy I'm not going first here. Zach, you're going first. Tell us about the Cleveland Cavaliers.
1: Uh, I'm about to be as high as anybody on the calves. Um, I'm loving it. I think, um, losing O'Chai is one of the biggest losses. Call me crazy. I think he was going to be an impact guy right off the bat, um, on the perimeter defensively. Um, hopefully we can't hear my son too loud. He's banging on the door there. Uh, but I think Evan Mobley is going to take a huge jump. Um, uh, I really like the overall structure of this team. O'Coro should be able to mix with either one of them and just Focus on defense, and they got all the coverage they need there, and I could easily see them winning 50-plus. I Do I think they're a conference finals contender? No, I'm leaning towards second round just because they need a year for chemistry and another year for Mobley to be a truly a winning player on the highest level. Uh, but I have them getting the four seed. I think they're cool. going to be very high. I mean, they could even finish two or three, I think. I think they're that talented. Regular season team.
2: So is that a pretender or contender?
1: It's a pretender, but it's, I mean, yeah. That's a negative connotation. It's a firm pretender. It's a firm pretender. But, man, they have the talent to win eventually. Like, win it all in two years, three years.
3: I think you pretty much nailed it, Zach. I have them as my five seed squarely in the Pretenders tier, I think. There's a couple of issues, particularly with wing depth, where I just, I don't quite see them as like a true finals team this year, though, if they somehow wind up in the East finals, I wouldn't be terribly shocked by that. Um, I don't think they have the juice to go all the way, but they're going to be a really good regular season team and a pretty
1: dangerous playoff team as well. Let me pose this question for you guys. Do you prefer Garland Mitchell or Trey DeJounte? I'm the Garland Mitchell Mitchell guy. Don't think Um, about the other parts, just the backcourts. I think Garland Mitchell.
3: I just, I really like Darius Garland and what I saw from him last year. I think that guy's growth trajectory is really, really high.
4: I think they're going to work together better from the start. So that's why I'm leaning towards them. I, I have some big suspicions about Atlanta, but we'll see how that goes.
2: Dr. Quinn, anything on Cleveland?
4: Uh, no, that's exactly where I have them pegged. Also, uh, I do think, you know, wing depth is going to be a problem, but, you know, the season, you can trade players in the middle of it. So probably that's going to happen. I think they're going to address that, but we'll see.
2: What a funny career Kevin Love has had. Uh, I also have them in the pretender category, but again, that makes it sound sadder than it is. It's, it's truly a, remar- a, a remarkable Remarkable. Remarkable. <laughs> remarkable. <me, geez, laughs> <Remarkulous. laughs> You're on something uh, great there. It's yeah. a remarkable uh, act of team building from a mid market team. Uh, maybe a few steps away, but perhaps similarly interesting. Alex, tell us about the Detroit Pistons.
3: Yeah, the Detroit Pistons, a team that I'm pretty excited to watch this year. I think they definitely got better. They made some strong moves, particularly in the draft. I really like the Jalen Duren and Jaden Ivey picks for them. Um, I think the Detroit Pistons are still a little too young to be a serious threat in the Eastern Conference. I really like Cade Cunningham, and I thought he had a super impressive end of his season last year, and his growth trajectory is going nowhere but up. He's going to be a really, really good player for a long time. But um, I think they're still a little young. I think they still are going to have some growing pains. I don't quite see them as a locked-in playoff team this year. I think they could be a play-in team, though, and a potentially dangerous one if everything comes together. I I really like their
1: upside.
2: Zach, anything you missed?
1: Playoff team? Seriously? Play-in play it okay I'm glad we clarified which in that. theory but, you could become a playoff team there we go um uh, that even sounds crazy to me but uh yeah we need to dive into that one further I, I'm gonna hit you up off the air on that but <laughs> I just I think this tier three of teams like yeah they're 10 through 15 could go anyway I I do agree on that but I don't think whoever gets the 10 through 12 seed has any chance of making the playoffs i just think there's a such a huge drop off from nine to ten and i just firmly believe that ten down could be all taking for victor by the end of the year um i think it's gonna be pretty crazy in that regards too but uh detroit i like what they did in the draft i still think um they're a few pieces away i'm expecting a big sadiq bay jump this year uh, he's my guy that is going to be the most important for them going forward that um, to unlock. I I believe in everybody else wholeheartedly to fulfill their role um, and grow this team as a unit, but Sadiq Bay has got to be great for them to take a jump.
3: Zach, you should have seen my face when the Celtics took Aaron Smith over Sadiq Bay. I was despondent. I I was so upset that that happened and my opinion has been vindicated ever since.
1: Yeah, I'd base right. seven or eight on in that draft. I forget exactly where, but I mean I, I could be off on that too. It's a, he's not looking like a great seven or eight, but if
4: you look at rookie wires uh aggregate mock draft, what we did for for the NBA wires sites, I actually ended up drafting for the Celtics both Sadiq Bay and Isaiah Stewart. Uh-huh. I won't say much about the Pistons. I also think that they could be a play-in team. Uh, I don't disagree that by the end of the season they could easily and probably will be trying to maximize the lottery odds, but good chance, good chance of playing.
2: So last year they won 23 games. Um, and for context, the Hornets, which were the 10th team, the last team into the play-in, won 43 games. Um, and out of fairness in the West, the Spurs won 34 games. Um, but still, the, the Pistons ostensibly are going to have to make a 10 to 20 win jump to get into that playoff or that play-in situation. That is a big ask for a young team. So,
1: Alex, how many wins, real quick?
2: A hundred. Best
1: best guess, I would say
3: best case scenario for the Detroit Pistons, you're looking at high 30s, low 40s Woo! if everything works out. Highest I just
1: Detroit. Guys.
3: I'm really bullish on Kate, guys. I think that oh, going to be but it's the other freaking cases. excellent.
2: Justin, put, me, put him in the fifth tier for me. <laughs> um, uh, and speaking of the fifth tier, to the Indiana Pacers we go, Dr. Quinn, take it away. Uh,
4: what do we I mean? Really? We're, we're debating this? Uh, they are clearly bricking for Vic. Uh, I don't have anything else to say on that. Let's
2: move. I think they would tell you that too. Um, anyone else on that one? They'll be trading
1: Buddy and Miles Turner. It's just a matter of when and and who. So, I think they're going to be terrible once that happens as well. All right, well,
3: long season for Corey at uh, Full Access Pacers.
2: <laughs> um, so we still have half a conference to go. So we'll try to keep moving quick. But uh, this next team, I really don't have an answer, and I get to go first. So. Uh, it's the Miami Heat. Uh, I think that they are old. I think that they are not tremendously deep. I think that Duncan Robinson and Tyler Hero need to be moved because they can't be in trade rumors for their entire career. But holy crap, is Bam Adebayo good at playing basketball. And I, I just, Jimmy Butler is a dog. So it's probably correct to say that the Heat are closer to a team that's going to make noise in the playoffs, a tier three playoff ruffian than anything else. But I am very open to them actually being a, a pretender or – no, they're not. No, they're not. Yeah, ah, they, okay. they, were, they were there in two years. I, 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 get, it. I get it. I
4: get it. I get the same anxiety trying to peg them. But I, I have to – again, until I see it, for me,
2: they are playoff ruffians. Okay. Playoff ruffian, playoff ruffian. Zach, anything out of you?
1: I think they're basically identical to Chicago. The difference is Spolster to Billy Donovan to me. And so that's, that's enormous. I mean, mm. that's, that's everything, but um, yeah, I just, we got to talk trade later of the war. We even see those guys going, they're old, they're, they're screwed. And I'm just disappointed. Bam hasn't taken the jump. Like I had him jumping a lot higher than he is, even though he's a tremendous top 20 guy,
2: mm.
3: I feel like there's a world where the Miami Heat are one of the most dangerous six seeds that we've had in recent memory, and that's where I have them pegged. Normally, that would fall into the um, playoff ruffian category, but I just am so not... I don't feel good about doubting Jimmy Butler or Spo in a playoff series at all. So I'm actually going to put them in my pretenders bracket even though I think regular season is going to be a slog for them. I just think that team is going to be so annoying to play in the postseason.
2: Under 40 and a half. From Vegas or from Zach
1: uh Vegas, but I'm hammering the under.
2: Wow, we. All right, I'm um, so uh, maybe your most polarizing team yet. Cause Alex, I think you just talked me into pretender. Um, I just, Jimmy Butler is such a menace in the
3: playoffs guys. Yeah. We see it every year. This guy is just a monster. good again. tired of betting. No against him. PJ Tucker. No PJ Tucker is a big deal, but uh, I, I can't bet. against yeah, Every, him.
2: every year they just like some dude from the G league shows up as their seventh man. And, it's radically important for them. Yeah. Um, what did I initially say? Yeah. Um, I I'm a soft playoff ruffian. maybe I might ask you to change that to, to pretender, um, but we'll keep it moving. Um, although I suspect mightily that this is our second and perhaps only universal contender and that's the Milwaukee bucks. Zach, you get to go first here. Um, am I wrong about that?
1: No, I mean, that's easy. <laughs> I think, uh, it will be about the same as they have been, I think, closer to last year um, than the years before. I think they're in a coastal mode. They're coasting. Uh, but 52 and a half is an interesting over-under. I like the over on that yet. But, um, yeah, they could easily win 64 games. It's just how hard do they want to play?
2: Yeah. I, I don't know why Giannis can't just snap back into – I mean, he was the best player in the world last year. Jokic – Maybe I'm licked in a few categories, but you got Giannis. You got a real chance at winning the Larry OB. Um, And I love Giannis. I'm so pumped. Oh, he's the best the last two, three years run. It's so hard to be a Celtics fan because I want to root for Giannis. Um, All right. So universal contender. Yeah, they're going to be good. And to the New York Knicks we go. Alex Goldberg. tells us about the New York Knicks.
3: The New York Knicks are a play-in team, and I think that that's going to be fine for them. They whiffed on Donovan Mitchell, but ultimately Danny Ainge's price was a little too high for them. And I don't think it's crazy that they didn't pay it, considering that there's, I don't think, an unreasonable chance that in two years, Donovan Mitchell will be on the table again for the New York Knicks. Um, I like RJ Barrett. I think his development curve has been really strong. I think they still have some moves to make. particularly moves that involved sending Julius Randle elsewhere and giving Obi Toppin a bigger role because I like what he's got to bring to the table. I think the Jalen Brunson deal was fine. Um, I think the Knicks are going to be a little bit friskier than they were last year. They don't quite have the talent to get into that playoff locked um for me, but I think they could be a play in team, potentially a feisty one, depending on the moves that they make. They're, they're going to be one of my most active teams to watch in the trade conversation.
2: Zach,
1: anything about the Knicks? A little friskier than last year. I like that, but uh, man, people have way too high hopes for quickly Obi, Miles McBride and crew. But I mean, I'd love to see quickly bust out and Obi as well. I think they, they, they got a little something extra in them, but I don't trust any young guys under Tibbs and, they're a mess for minutes-wise. I'm still interested to see how this plays out because there's, there's potential there, just I don't believe in it with Tibbs in charge.
2: Dr. Quinn? Nothing
4: real to add to that. The Knicks, Knicks themselves, uh, they're going to be better than I think some people think, but not really enough to make any damage in the postseason. If they get into the playoff playoffs, they'll be lucky.
2: Yeah, on paper, definitely uh, uh, in at best four tier thing. I'll just quickly note that they have as many as four, most likely three, but as many as four first round picks in the next draft, which means they have tremendous trade capital. They could find their way of moving up the ladder. They can also tear it all down and go full steam into what seems to be a very exciting draft class. So um, I'm going to give them that, that four tier, but they have the maneuverability to become Fifth or third, probably not anything else. Tier.
1: It might take those picks to dump Julius Randle and Evan Fournier. That's true, but then if they hold
2: on to their own, I mean, who knows? No one's taking harder and than kill. the Jazz, so it's gonna be it's gonna be hard to top that. Anyways, gotta talk about the Magic, and I believe it's Justin' your turn turn to talk about a team. Tell us about the Orlando Magic.
4: I mean, if there is a team that could be better this year, but we don't really know yet, then it's going to be the Orlando Magic. They could be as good as a higher-end playoff ruffian. I don't think that's what they're going to be. I think that, you know, Franz Wagner and uh, Banquero uh, are both really potentially good players, but they don't have any real playoff experience. Uh, they don't really have any experience in the case of Ben uh, For me, I do think that they could, Get into the postseason above the play in, but everything would have to go perfect for them. I'm gonna pencil them in as for now a play in at best team.
2: Zach, I'm gonna to go to you. Is Jalen Sugg still hurt? I don't know.
1: Off the other oh, that's a great question. I um, haven't looked into that one in a while. Either
2: way, um, thoughts on the magic, Zach?
1: I love how Justin says, Ben Credo. However he says it, but uh, it's seductive. It's, in Mexico.
0: Oh, there we go. There we
1: go. <laughs> um, yeah, I'd love to see Jonathan Isaac bounce back. Um Chumo Kiki had developed something there, but um, I don't like the situation Bamba's in. I really would have liked to see him in a much bigger role somewhere and be more of an impactful player because I think he can be. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how they play Wendell and Bamba and J.I. there. There's a little bit of a mix and then, yeah, France, if you think he's going to take a big jump, that's where their wins are coming from because I think he's a winning player already and everybody else has to figure their shit out.
3: Franz is looking real good in Eurobasket, guys. I don't know if you've mm-hmm. been noticing, but that dude seems like he's ready to make some noise. I really like Cole Anthony. I really like Wendell Carter Jr., I think Paolo was the best player available in this draft, and I'm really pumped that they took him first. I think that's going to be a really fun team for the future. They're too young right now. I think they're they're playing at best, but um, they have a really exciting future
2: to build towards, and I wouldn't be surprised if they're jumping up this list come next year. Doing some back-of-the-napkin math and just, like, I'd like to say that this is a playoff team, but there's just a lot of really good teams in the East side. I, just, I don't see how they can, let, like, uh, it's an interesting roster of some interesting young players, but I just, I don't see, we still got to talk about the Sixers and the Raptors. I just, I don't see it. So um, I think a very, very feisty play-in team, uh, but not quite a, wow. that, that glorified playoff ruffian we all aspire to be in our day-to-day lives. Um, I talk about Philly. First. I'm just like my soul is leaving my body, Philly's a contender. Uh Joel Embiid, we're past the point of monetization. Joel Embiid fucking rocks at playing basketball. Um, I do not feel very strongly about James Harden, but Joel Embiid has done more with less, um, certainly in his career. I don't know what's good with Tobias Harris, although I think he just had a gender reveal party today. Shout out to him. Good for him. Um, you got what's, Joel Embiid. What's the gender. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. sorry, yeah, I'm, sorry. I'm, not, I'm not, I hate those things, but that's there what should you. be a sexual party. The gender is up to the kid or the context of the audience. And Joel Embiid is a chameleon Bona fide. Yeah. He's a chameleon. He's a bona bonafide. Yeah. He's, he's everything. Um, it's been revealed that he is a bona fide MVP. Um, and to that end, uh, I don't even think it's a fringe contender. I think that the, Doc Rivers, notwithstanding, I think that this team is a contender. Zach, what say you?
1: Yeah, absolutely agree. A hundred percent, except I'm fully on board. James Harden's going to bounce back this year and be closer to a top five guy than he was last year. Whoa. Um, I think he's, out for revenge I think he wants to prove that he's still got and he believes he's got his boys I mean and Tyrese if he if Tyrese Maxey doesn't motivate you just by his passion and like how much fun you can have playing with that guy I don't know I think this is the best team Harden's ever had um sure you can argue the two years ago Brooklyn Nets when he first got there but they were injured so right now they're they're healthy and I'm all in on the sixers but i mean the east is a beast east is a beast yeah Fox,
3: I, th- I think they're definitely a contender for me they're a contender with more questions than the bucks and the celtics respectfully um but and B's talent is otherworldly i really like where maxi is headed as a player and i think just from an off-season perspective they added real talent to this team pj tucker is a good fit daniel house is a good fit i think DeAnthony melton might end up being the sneaky hidden gem of the offseason as far as signings go. That guy's really good and is going to fit this team super well. So I think they're going to be a contender. I think they're a really tough out. I think the question marks around Doc Rivers and James Harden are real, and that puts a slight cap on their ceiling for me. But make no mistake, this is going to be a very dangerous team this year.
4: In the interest of getting to bed, I don't disagree
2: sucks. It sucks that the sisters are good. Um, Zach, an ultimate team on our list, the Toronto Raptors. Um, I think we should carve out a little bit of time for this. I actually don't really know where I'm going to land here. So Zach, you go first.
1: They're going to be one of the most fun teams to watch lineups and just watch play out because I still think Pascal Siakam, Gary Trent Jr. and most importantly, Scotty Barnes still have a little growth to go. Uh, Most people would disagree with Pascal and maybe even Gary, but I think there's more in there. OG even, you can tell me there's a little more hope there for him. Uh, But honestly, I mean, if they fully develop at conference finals at best, I don't think think they have the talent to be a contender yet. I still think they're a big away. And so, I mean, Precious, he's not big enough for me.
2: Justin, what
4: about you? Uh, I have him as a playoff ruffian, but conceivably they could make the leap uh, to a pretender, but they would need Scotty Barnes to develop his game a bit more, maybe get a, a jumper up in there. Uh, and, you know, that big man problem, maybe they solve that by trading O.G. and an OB because what is his role on this team exactly? He seems kind of like the odd man out with the arrival of Scotty Barnes. He's a little too good to be his backup, right? Yeah. And he, he doesn't quite – fit the role of a three traditionally though he can certainly play one to me it seems like he's a little redundant and he's the most likely option for them to solve that big man problem yeah they're gonna
3: fight they're gonna be well coached but ultimately, the talent ceiling is playoff ruffian for me. I don't really see a path to them winning more than one round. Um, I like Siakam. I think that he's very good. I think VanVleet is very good. But when VanVleet and Siakam are your clear number one and number two players, and with much respect to Scotty Barnes, he's still got a ways to go before he's on those guys' level. There's a ceiling to how far you can go.
2: Yeah, I I want to say. Pretender because I really respect the organization, the coaching, the the roster design, but it flies in the face of what I was just saying about the Sixers, and, and that is that you have to have singularly good players, multiple, to go the distance in the NBA, and they have some really nice players in Toronto, but there's n- there's no MVP candidates, there's no All NBA, maybe a fringe All NBA guy, um, but, but as much as so I don't want to see the Celtics play them in the playoffs, I think that they're in that playoff rough. I mean, I, actually, I just define playoff ruffian. They're a playoff ruffian. I don't want to see them Their in the bench playoffs. is awful. Their bench is tough. Yeah, I mean, to, to Dr. Quinn's point, if they'd stagger OG or, like, Gary Trent and Scott, Scotty Barnes, there might be, like, a way to always have, like, some dynamism. But, yeah, there's not – There's. I mean, Ken Birch played at University of Pittsburgh for a cup of coffee, so I have to root for him. But – Yeah, I know it's not speaking of no bench, uh let's talk about the Washington Wizards. How's that? Yeah. Um Zach, since you're the guest, even though it's Alex's turn, I'll let you shut it down. Maybe they got maybe they can
1: get more of a bench than Toronto. I mean, that's up for debate. I mean, on the young guys and who could develop and whatnot, but um man, their their starting lineup is just terrible. I like I'm not a Kuzma guy at all. I think he's a good seventh man, sixth man even. But you have to have such good players all around him to get the most of him as a starter. Monty Morris is your starting point guard. Maybe he surprises me, but I I think he could be the worst starting point guard in the league. Uh, Will Barton, does he have more to go as a starter? Doubtful. Yeah, this, this team could finish... 13, 14 very easily, but um, they could also finish 9 or 10. Who knows? But I definitely have them as um, what is your tier? Not bricking for Vic, playing at best. That's for sure.
2: Alex?
3: I have them in the Vic zone. I just, you know, I was looking through the Eastern Conference rankings. I looked at the moves that the Washington Wizards made this offseason. I looked at the Supermax contract with a no-trade clause that they gave to Bradley Peel <laughs> and... Putting that all together, I just don't really love where this team is headed. I don't feel particularly great about any of their young talent. Um, there's a path to some of those guys becoming, I think, quality role players, but there's no star upside there for any of their young guys. And Bradley Beal seems more than content to make a gazillion dollars and you know put up 20 points a night on maybe so-so efficiency and no defense. And I would be too. Bradley Beal seems like he's having a great life but that is not going to lead to a lot of wins. So they are in the Vic zone for me.
2: Dr. Bind, anything?
4: anything? Uh, I don't really know what to add to that. Whatever the Wizards are trying to do, I cannot figure it out other than give Bradley Beal, again, lots of money. Uh, that might be enough to put enough butts in the seats to keep everybody in the organization happy. And if that's what they want to do as an organization, there's nothing wrong with that. But for their fans and for people who like to watch fun basketball, particularly Bradley Beal playing it with good players, kind of sucks. So, yeah, reckon for Beckham.
2: All right, before I reveal at long last my opinion on the Washington Wizards, Zach, plug your podcast.
1: Noble and show ball is life. Um, that's basically it. Hit us up on Twitter. That's where we're active. Um, should be starting back up next week. That's the goal. Um, a lot of players. That's, that's our jam. We get a lot of player interviews um, and big names around the league. Yeah,
2: big time. Uh, what's the stat like? 2% of Twitter users are like 50% of tweets. What percentage of that is guys like us shelling their podcast? <laughs> Anyways, um, speaking of which, like and subscribe to um, Zach's podcast, our podcast, maybe consider advertising on this podcast so I can buy a less squeaky chair. Um, and otherwise, at long last, let me tell you where the Washington Wizards will be landing in our conference rankings. And uh, they don't know it yet, but they're bricking for Vic. That team sucks. I mean, Bradley Beal and Kristaps Porzingis are made of glass. So even if it works, it's not going to last for very long. Good luck to you. I love them. Cool too. Um, all right. So in a quick, quick summary, Boston obviously is a contender. Um, unanimously, we've got Milwaukee and Philly up there. And then shortly behind that, we've got Cleveland and Brooklyn. Um, maybe Shades of Atlanta or Miami. Um, but I don't think any of that comes as a huge, huge surprise. So, Zach, thanks again, man. Best of luck with those Timberwolves. Best of luck with the Rudy Gobert experience. Um, Guys, uh, thanks
1: for having me. It's always fun. Good seeing you.
2: Good luck in school there, boys. Thank you. Good luck to our students. All right, thanks, everyone. Uh, We'll catch you next week. Adios. Peace.